Hello and welcome back to the Vinyl Countdown, the podcast where I, Jeremy Levine, break down my favorite vinyl releases from cover to cover and everything in between. On this week's episode, what can I say about foxing that hasn't already been said? The uh, St. Louis-based group has been putting out incredible records since 2014, 2013, 2014, and show no signs of slowing down yet. Uh, This week, as the title implies, I'll be diving into their latest and possibly greatest, that's up for debate, Draw Down the Moon. Uh, I had the pleasure of speaking with frontman Connor Murphy last year, uh, and he really dove into the history of the St. Louis scene, their band, and all sorts of neat shit. So if you are interested in that, go back and listen to episode 43 of the podcast. Uh, I say that to say that on this one, I won't dive into the history of the band because we went through it so thoroughly before. Uh, You can go back and listen to it there. I'm going to be focusing primarily on this record and nothing else. So before I dive into the band a bit, the little bit that I do need to dive into the band, which is not much, and the album itself, uh, let's get down down to Variant Corner. So this record came out of the gate with a ton of pressings, which is really cool because it seemed like if anybody wanted one, they were able to get it. Discogs has 13 listed, and they all seem to actually be different. So good job, Discogs. Uh, I'm going to run through them pretty quick because, again, it's quite a few. Black, limited to 300, uh, roughly $26 or so. Uh, Green Orange Split, which is a smart punk exclusive, limited to 300, in hand-numbered plastic sleeves. I want that one because I love split records. Of course, you all know that. The split color is my jam. But uh, moving on. Brown in yellow in yellow. Uh, 300 from Foxing's web store, uh, 39 or 32 to $49 range on those. Uh, this one actually kind of looks like the uh, Newberry exclusive uh, Marsh variant, the, the one that I have actually, except the record is green with a brown blob with some yellow streaks through that blob. Uh, the Marsh is more of a Coke bottle clear with with a brown blob, right? So they're similar in their setup. But um, speaking of that one, that one's limited to 600 and there's only one for sale for $70. There is a Cloudy Orange, limited to 300 That was the, for $85, is one for sale. That was the second Newberry exclusive color. Now, it's so the, that Cloudy Orange description, I feel like, doesn't really do it justice. Um, it's more like the Avengers box set that I have, with in that it's clear and heavily splattered orange. It looks really fucking cool. Like, like the, the, to call it cloudy orange, I think is a kind of a misidentification of it. But there is a light pink, uh, no quantities listed, selling uh, $22 to $29 on that one. Uh, neon purple, limited to $300, a Spotify fan's first exclusive, uh, $42 to $60 on that one. Uh, yellow inside, translucent blue, $500. Uh, that one looks pretty fucking sweet. None for sale. Uh, then there's a green pink split, $600. Uh, copies of those patreon exclusive uh once again love my split color records uh 45 to 50 bucks on that one uh there's a black green swirl uh there was about 200 about there were 200 of those that's a rough trade exclusive there is one for sale for 80 bucks uh the retail variant is hot pink now that i mean now that i look at it again um something tells me that this one and the light pink that i mentioned earlier are the same this one's going for 26 to $36, no pressing count available, and hot pink, light pink. They're, I mean, with the way these records look, they kind of look the same, so I'm pretty sure that's the same one. There's an orange, purple, green swirl, limited to 200 That is a Brooklyn vegan exclusive that looks sick as fuck. Uh, 48 to 75 on that one, and last but not least, 
cloudy pink with purple blue splatter, limited to 600, one for sale for $52.94. Now, that's a bunch. Good thing is, uh, again, because there's so many and uh, they're so readily available, like they're so fa fairly cheap and there's like a ton of dope variants to pick from, right? Uh, this record also, it sounds very nice. Uh, it's, it's, it's a very, it, it was, it, the production on it is great. It, it reminds me of Near My God, their previous album. You know, you can kind of hear the production differences between records, which is pretty cool. But this one is, um, maybe a little more polished and I'll get into it, but the sound is just different. It's just a different sounding version of Foxing, right? Also, so a, uh, a quick rundown of the band, which this is something that I wanted to talk about in the last episode. Just in case you're wondering about the name, because I think it's pretty neat. Here's an excerpt from Triple Crown Records website. That was that was the label that released their first three albums. Drawn Down the Moon was released on Hopeless Records, with quotes from a 21-year-old Connor Murphy back in 2014. Quote, if you've ever looked at an old document, okay, real quick, this is not the quote from uh, <laughs> from Connor. This is just from the from the uh, from the um, what's that from the article, right? But then he'll get into his quote. Anyway, quote from the article. If you've ever looked at an old document and noticed brown spots on it, what you are seeing are signs of aging. It's not exactly clear what specifically causes them, but one day the pages will completely brown over and be no more. This is called foxing. A group of St. Louis musicians took this idea and turned it into a band. Now this is Connor talking about that. Uh, from the conception of the band, we realized we're not going to be around forever, says foxing singer Connor Murphy. There's classic literature that over time grows really old, but hopefully you can make something that meant something at some point and will mean something down the road, even if it is aged and dated. That's always what we, keeps me going, the idea that we're writing something now that we won't be able to write in 10 years. So cool. Currently, the members, and I feel like this is important to note because they do, there have been, a, there's been some slight lineup changes even since me and him spoke last year uh connor's still there on vocals trumpet and sampler uh john helwig is on drums and eric hudson's on guitar and backup vocals and i'm not sure if i mentioned this before but i did hear about them first never knew who they were they were opening for brand new back in 2014 they absolutely blew me away and i've been a huge fan ever since and they have not put out a single bad song let alone a bad record uh i highly recommend their entire catalog like i cannot recommend that enough they are far and away one of my favorite they've become one of my favorite bands over the past like seven years now right but uh speaking of that music let's dive right into track one 737 so this starts off pretty um similar to near my god like it starts off very slow very um kind of plodding and methodical and it's just like it's really quiet and you know he starts off by saying that he feels like a 737 painted over and over again until the paint gets too heavy grounded there no company on my side. It's like a, you know, comparing himself to just being lonely. Like to, to this, this, you know, this unused or overused piece of machinery, right? Uh, I really like the second verse, which is just like fucking dark. But he says, uh, I feel like a rover alone singing happy birthday to itself on Mars. My battery is low and it's getting dark. Now, those three lines are in reference to Mars rovers, uh, curiosity and opportunity. Uh, Curiosity was programmed to play Happy Birthday during its quote-unquote birthday, uh, the anniversary of it landing on Mars. Opportunity was supposed to be in service for only 90 days, but kept going and collected data for over 15 years. The last thing the solar-powered rover sent was interpreted as a message saying, my battery is low and it's getting dark. 
Oof. So, despite the fact that these rovers are simply robots, they still manage to express feelings of absolutely haunting loneliness. And as a human, being completely alone on an entire planet, or feeling your end slowly creeping up to you, um, would be some of the most terrifying feelings ever, right? So, it seems like Connor definitely identifies with that particular uh, rover, right? And it, and who doesn't, I guess, you know, at this point. But I, I, just, I thought that was a really, just a really cool line a cool reference and it's just like very on 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 brand for foxing as a whole right uh so the song goes on and um you know he says uh, i feel like i'm just proud to be your friend to sit beside you while the paint gets too heavy i love you all and thank you it's like man you know we love you too thank you <laughs> then it gets into the break or it gets like to the ending and we're kind of building it's like i can't do this alone i can't do this alone and it keeps building and building and building until at the very end, and now I read on Twitter that he originally it was just going to end. The song was going to end with him just screaming, "I can't do this alone!" over and over and over again. But at some point, they decided to drop hints of the rest of the album. So the next line where he says, "The planes that never fly, the death that never dies, the beacons never light," he keeps going through all these lines that are all of the songs that are coming up on the record. So I thought that was that was pretty cool. You know, so he he's referencing the entire album in the first song, which I thought was, again, really awesome. And he ends it by saying, uh, draw your moon to me, draw your moon to me. And it kind of like really just starts kind of fading out. And then it just comes right into Go Down Together, which I, I want to say is the first single that was released. It's the first song that I heard off of the record. It is very um, different than most foxing I've heard. It's, it's, it's real dancey. It's like... Lyrically, it's still great, and it's still very much them, but like I said earlier, the sound on this record, I think, is just different. Like, they went a, a different direction. Uh, I wouldn't say more poppy or more accessible, but they definitely are doing something that's not as a pigeonholing, I guess, as what it, as what they did on Near My God, which I absolutely love Near My God. Like, that's, you know, one of the one of my favorite records of all time. But um, there's something with that record. You can listen to it now and always find something even three years later, you, you still listen to it and you can always seem to pick up something that you didn't notice there before. Like it's so layered and textured and like they did that on purpose. Like there's so many little things they add in in the background underneath four of their sounds where you're like, holy shit, what, you know, what is that? And with this record, and not to say it's a bad thing, it's just that I think they didn't go that route this time. It, it's very much, there's still some layering, of course, and there's some really cool production elements and there's some things that happen that are really awesome. But it also isn't as deep as that. Like they, they seem to kind of keep it more surface level. And I think it works well either way. Like I, I'm a huge fan of both of these. I'm just saying they're they're different. It doesn't, it doesn't make it necessarily better or worse. It's just that it's different than what I was expecting to hear with this record, right? Anyway, so this song, uh, Go Down Together, it's basically just about, uh, I saw him write something on Twitter about like how it's just about, you know, everybody's doing bad and <laughs> you just want to like, have somebody there with you and he's kind of like saying like hey i'm gonna be here to go down with you if things are gonna go this way if you know he's in the chorus he says uh you said we'll go down there together you and i will go down there together side by side and if you should fall i'll follow behind we'll go down together so it's pretty self-explanatory you know it's just a, a dancey track about how you know like say he's riding he's, he's like ride or dying with these with his friends or his family or whatever it might be right and um i think i feel like after 2020 and even, fuck, even 2021, you know, everybody needs somebody like that. 
right? Or or to be that somebody for someone else. Uh, we've all had a rough <laughs> a rough couple of years, and you know I feel like that this album definitely reflects that. And I'll get into it later. There's a song that I think one hundred percent is like you know is referencing some very specific time specific things. But um, moving right along, uh, Beacons track three. This may be my favorite song on the record. It's hard to pick one, but this one is like, I just fucking, oh, I love it. I love it so much. So he starts it out by saying, which is one of my favorite lines on here, and just the whole, the whole thing, I just love it. Like he says, um, I was floating there for so long, king of nothing but the space I take up. I felt it all at once. I felt it all at once. Oh, it's like, I don't know, it's the idea of, you know, he's recognizing that maybe in something and in, in whatever the situation he may be referencing or what he's talking about with, with, with himself is like, he recognizes he was the problem. And, you know, you know, later he says, um, uh, fire broke loose in a moment there. I let it breathe for the first time as it danced through the room, undressing, it held the closet shut, uh, but I was out with the beacons of that shame left behind for the first time I felt alive. I thought I couldn't move my feet, but I'm running with you now. We're stampede. Tell me everything you know about love. Now it's thicker than my blood. I thought I couldn't move my feet, but I'm running with you now. We're a stampede, baby. I'm running with you now. We're a stampede. So, you know, I, I just, I don't know. It, it feels like there's um there's something there with that. Like, you know, he's describing himself or... Actually, so on Twitter, he did say this. He said that Beacons was originally about John Frenzies Jr. Uh, informing on his dad of the mafia, mafia boss in New York City. Uh, he paired it with quotes from uh, The Prince by Machiavelli. Uh, and then Eric pushed him to rewrite it because it was so incredibly impersonal. So then it became about him, about Connor being bi. So uh, he also cut the... Um, they cut. The, he said that we cut that uh, outro guitar lead, but Eric left it in the project file and sent it to uh, John, the mixer. Then John shoved it back in, and they accepted it, and now it's part of the record. So <laughs> that actually cut the ending. I guess there's a, there's a solo or whatever at the end, and that just wasn't going to um, not supposed to be there, you know. Uh, so it's kind of funny, but um, that's what this, this song is kind of about, you know. And I guess him opening up and coming out as bi, and just you know talking about it honestly and everything else, and. You know, it's it's such a good song. It's such a good song. I just just the 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 I I love that line. You know, the beacons of that shame left behind for the first time I felt alive. You know, like I guess people who come out, there is a certain guilt I guess associated with it. I'm I'm only speaking from people that I know or just what I've seen or read. But it's like I guess I could see where there might be some you know undue shame associated with it just from society or family or whatever right so it's pretty pretty cool to have a song that kind of lays that out there pretty um pretty straightforward like you know so moving right along we're into uh, the title track draw down the moon and for some reason it is not loading so i'm going to head off to twitter here uh the title track he says was uh originally something entirely different uh, this song went through the most changes of any track on here. Uh, it started with those reverse bass chords. He says something about the the verse, uh, the bass in the verse, whatever, which informed the the direction of the song, right? But okay, so it starts off. Um, I'm never gonna stop loving you. It's a, it's a very again dancey, almost like I'm not gonna say disco, but like a it has a certain a certain rhythm to it and a cadence to it that's like it's again very much foxing, but just like. It's it's sonically so much different and it's really cool. 
but it makes you want to move, man. It makes you want to dance. Like this album is is up there for album of the year for me. It, it was going to be my album of the year. Spoiler alert! Until Turnstiles album came out, because that album's a fucking banger, and it's getting its own episode pretty soon. But it's gonna be a fight. It's gonna be a pretty. It's gonna be like a fucking you know grit and teeth and nail fight over album of the year this year because both of those records are so great in their own ways. And uh, anyway, this song. You know, I do like the one line where he's like, uh, I'm never going to stop loving you when I fall into a spiraling debt. Gentle is the drop when you tell me I'm enough, as impossible as it felt. So if you want to run right out, I will always be a home. Uh, and he says, and it goes to the chorus, but um, I want to show you I, I can keep it all together. Uh, I want to draw down the moon for nothing but to deserve you. Oh, but I can't. But I want to show you I can keep it all together. So that's yeah, pretty, pretty good there. Now, moving right along. Uh, Where the Lightning Strikes Twice is track five. Uh, this is one that honestly, initially, I did not care for it for some reason. Again, it's just a it's just a big old dancey ass song, right? And uh, it just has like a like a kind of a big feel to it, where he's like in the chorus, he's like, uh, "I want to go where the lightning strikes twice," but he kind of like really, "I want to go where the lightning strikes twice," and it's like it's. it's it just feels real big and like anthemic, I guess. And, <laughs> you know, and he says, um, again, it's kind of, I feel like this is a song where it's like, hey, I want to be with this person or whatever it might be, right? Because in verse two, he says, uh, when cartilage leaves our knees and sky refuses to weep, well, I will stand ancient with you. And if I'm too high to speak, uh, too drunk to shut up, let me take my time. Let me find the words. Strike me down. Let me burn. Or maybe not. Maybe I'm wrong about that. I don't know. Again, there's not a whole, whole, whole lot on this other than some some Twitter ramblings about the record. So I'm trying here to find, trying to find something, but I don't really see much in terms of where the lightning strikes twice. That is one. He did say, though, that when writing the song, they knew it would be as polarizing as Game Shark was on <laughs> Near My God. And then, you know, the Eric says that he let um, Connor let him solo a lot. Uh, the bridge is the most annoying thing to solo over. So there's that kind of stuff. Like, it's just some, some anecdotal stuff about the recording, but not any of the content of the song. Because uh, he does say, you know, I, I twisted both of my ankles on a rain dance here, here up on the hill I want to die on. So it's like, maybe it's not what I was thinking of. That's one open for interpretation, guys. Y'all figure it out. Um I, I, I don't know. I really don't. Track six, one I cannot pronounce, Bielstjok. It, uh, it says it is undoubtedly about uh, homesickness. The song is named after a Polish city located in the northeast close to the Polish-Belarusian border. Uh, Foxing performed at Halfway Festival there in June of 2019. According to the band, it was the farthest from home they had ever been, which is, again, St. Louis, Missouri. Now, he elaborates on Twitter where he says that festival was incredible and maybe the best couple of days of any tour I've ever had, ever experienced, but in having so much fun, I felt incredibly depressed not sharing it with my partner. So that's kind of, um, that's kind of cool, you know, that, um, and you know, in the song that reflects that very much, which it makes a lot more sense now that I've read that. He says, uh, I was just thinking about watching TV next, uh, next to you, uh, just to sit there on the couch and not do much of anything at all. Sacred insignificance. They are arms from the universe. I'm dragging myself back home, but I'm homesick everywhere I go without you. Then the chorus again, super dancey, and it's great. 
but it's also super sad. <laughs> it's like, I feel so homesick everywhere I go. Oh, oh without you. And just, you know, uh, so that's it. I mean, it's kind of a, you know, fairly, sh- I would say straightforward song in that regard. Um, but again, super dancey, fun to listen to. And underneath it has some very dark and not, I say dark, but just some very relatable and kind of depressing lyrics, which is always right up my alley. So what I mentioned before about one being hyper-specific to this time period and what I'm thinking, at least we found the floor. Track seven. It starts off by him just saying, Oh, fuck. <laughs> Here he comes again. The bad luck demon that can't stop kissing. He's a rock slide on Halloween. He's a total rental in 2016. We really didn't need him then. We never really do, but he said, Well, honey, at least you found the floor. It can't get much worse than this. This is the chorus. And it says, uh, eventually gets to, this isn't the floor yet. It's going to get much worse than this. To me, this sounds like he's talking about Trump and just the four years under Trump. That like that, I, I cannot, to me, I can't picture the song being about anything else but that. Because then, again, with what I just said, right, makes sense. 2016 was, he's a total rental in 2016, right? He sucks. And that's when he got elected. And then verse two, he says, oh God, he's everywhere I go. He's in my head like a metronome, clicking inside my brain so I can't find tempo without a little bit of pain. And maybe we could have lived without him. But what would that look like, he tells me. Which again, sounds like something a gigantic narcissist like Trump would tell someone. Say, hey, you, you, can, you can leave, but what is, what is your life going to look like without me? You know, like, look what I've done for this country if I'm gone then yeah, sure, you can probably go on, but how is it going to look? How, how are things going to be without me running things? And it, again, based off what I've read here, you know, drawing your own conclusions, but I cannot see it being about anything else other than that big orange asshole. So I love that song. That song's pretty great. And kind of just caught me off guard. Being a political, very kind of a politically minded song, at least I think, there's not really too many songs on the record that are like that. I guess there's none that are like that, that are very... That seems hyper specific to me, but I could be wrong. Let me know. You know, the uh, I need I need a cool nickname for the five people that listen to the show every week. Um, I love the uh, reminiscent guys. You know, shout out Tom and Pat uh, as always. They um, there's so many nicknames for the listeners, but the one that's really stuck I think is like Reminasties or <laughs> Reminisces and Nephews. <laughs> I, I just like the vi- the vinyl countdown like doesn't really have like any way to spin off a fun nickname at least none that i can think of but you know uh maybe maybe one day maybe maybe i can be as cool as them one day but uh moving right along cold-blooded track eight this is another one that is i initially was not not that i didn't like it but it just took me a few listens to really like oh i get it and i love it now this says uh it starts off with i know i'm a black sheep walking the field like a golden fleece i wish i could get out of my head but i'm back in it again it feels the same. It feels the same, at least, you know. And he um, talks about how you know now how he's desensitized, and now nothing makes makes him cry, and he must be cold blooded, right? Now, this song is apparently so. The second verse he says is about the saddest story that they ever he ever read, and he says, uh, "I know it's on your sleeve, and when it weeps, it's a holy thing. When you remember Malin Lane turned nine, and no one showed up to surprise him, you are crumbling." And 
there's a story about a, a little kid. He turned nine years old in Oregon, and he was waiting for his friends to show up for his birthday party, but no one ever came. And, um, you know, apparently there were people that had been invited but never um, showed up. And I guess it was just really sad. This kid just was wanting to have a birthday party with his friends. And, like, nobody showed up, and he did it, you know, they did it alone and became kind of a kind of a you know big story, I guess. But that's what the second verse of the song is about. He, and he, like, that's pretty fucking cool. He names his kid, like, by name in the song. Like, I, you know. That'd be pretty awesome to be in a foxing song. But uh, all in all, that's kind of what it's about. Just, you know, being desensitized to things and, you know, him, I guess, talking, thinking out loud, like, am I cold-blooded? Like, am I, you know, beyond being able to feel things anymore, right? But moving right along, kind of, I guess, in a um, similar vein, if I believed in love. He says, um, starts the song off. If I believed in love, I'd keep it to myself. I'd bottle it all up. Until my lungs couldn't take another second of it. I'd move to a new state if I believed in love. And then, you know, this one kicks in. The, the song, it, it starts off really slow and it picks the fuck up. And, uh, or, you know, it's just it's just very, very good, very dancey, like the rest of the album. But I love in the outro, he says, yeah, if I believed in love and it was worth my blood, I'd unattend my mind and confess in tongues. So never mind the logic. We threw it all in the fire because I believe in love if you believe in love. There's like some cool like robot sounds too a little bit throughout the song, so that's a that's a perfect setup I think to go right into the ending track, "Speak with the Dead," which, according to him, was a uh, is meant to be a sister song to Five Cups off of "Nearer My God," which makes sense because Five Cups is like eight minutes long, and this song is also like eight minutes long. Uh, five Cups is denial and anger. Uh, "Speak with the Dead" is depression and acceptance. So. Now we have to write, they have to write a bargaining song to bridge them for the full, the, the, for all five stages of grief, right? Which are denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. They need a song that will bridge the gap and cover the bargaining, you know, uh, portion of that. So that's kind of neat. This song is, it's, it's really slow. It's very kind of, I don't want to say spacey, but it's just like, it, this song sounds like it could have been of any of there's no I don't think there's any other song on this record maybe one or two that could have been but I think this one in particular definitely sounds like it could have been on near my god and fit right at home you know I, I just love the um in the bridge towards the end he says um and in my dreams I'm on a porch with you I promise you I've been doing well in your name and I won't try to speak with you again until I watch my last breath dissipate and he says that really low and like it really kind of trails off and it's just like, ugh, just like kind of soul crushing, you know? I mean, that's, that's, uh, yeah, I, thought, I always thought it was pretty great. He, then he starts with, um, but then the chorus comes back, but when I wake there, I'll wait until I fall asleep, speak with the dead. And then it kind of, you know, it kind of keeps doing that. And, and really the song is not a whole lot, not a whole lot there lyrically, but it's just the, the, the feel of the song and a couple of these kind of heavy hitting lines. And then. There's a, there's a, the outro by uh, Yoni Wolf of the band Y, which I'd never heard of, but they seemed super jazzed about it. So, that's, I mean, I'm, that's good. He says, wherever I go, there you are. Where you go, there I am. But it's like this big kind of harmonizing, like vocalizing section, and it just sounds really cool. And um, I don't know, that's it. And, you know, the album ends on such a, just like a, a somber note, you know? It, to me, like I said, it's hard to pick a favorite, and I try my best to like you know i want to give it time to breathe like it just came out recency bias is obviously a thing so it's like i don't necessarily want to just go like oh it's the best one ever because you know i listened to it more this year it's like well you know it's because it's you know 
uh, it just came out. So I want to give it time to, to really like fester and like I want to really revisit it later, right? But currently, it, 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 it was up for album of the year for sure. Um, Turnstile is going to fight it to the death on that. But is it better than Nearer My God? For me, no. That's not to say it's bad, obviously. That's not to say anything about it. That's just me personally. It's not my... I, I think it's probably my s- second favorite. I do, I do really, really enjoy it. And I do like the choices they made sonically and how they moved away from their sound a little bit while keeping what makes them, you know foxing right just the the lyrics the you know the the songwriting is great it's just that sonically again it's just a little bit different it's pretty cool that they decided to do that and really went for it you know still five out of five i mean that's 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 a that's a given but if i had to pick one to listen to over the other it would be nearer my god but that i mean that record is is, again perfect this one's perfect too i guess but like not as perfect i I don't know if I, i guess if i had to pick one it'd be that one but you know, draw your own conclusions. Uh, I say definitely listen to it, pick it up. Uh, again, there are tons of vinyl variants available and still for a decent price. So if that's your thing, do that as well. Next week, I will be back. I'm kind of getting back on this thing, you know, regularly. Finally, things are back to normal, I guess. And next week, I'll be doing a very small episode. And then the week after will be one that uh, I kind of forgot about. But then I remembered like, oh, shit, I did a listener's choice thing like a month ago, so I should probably record an episode with the outcome of that, so be on the lookout, that'll be on Black Friday, actually, so, uh, but next week, it's gonna be a small one, it's a 7-inch it's a that I got, uh, I love the song, did not like the album, so I just wanted to talk about the one song, because it is a really good song, by a band called Look Mexico, uh, You Stay, I Go, No Following, so that'll be next week, uh, but uh, all in all, again, pick this record up, uh, you'll love it, uh, follow me on Twitter, uh, Instagram, at the vinyl, uh, Facebook and Instagram, the Vinyl Countdown Podcast, it, TikTok, I think, at the Vinyl Countdown Podcast. I think it's what it is. Twitter at Vinyl Podcast 5. Uh, also, I wanted to thank you, everyone, real quick. Uh, the Matt Wilson episode from last week has been kicking ass, and I really appreciate everybody taking time to listen and sharing it and whatever else is going on to make that get all the exposures gotten so i'm just i was really excited about that one and i was very very shocked he even came on the show so i'm just excited that it's actually it's doing well and a lot of people are seeming to to listen to it and uh hopefully enjoy it so thank you for that and i hope you enjoyed this episode and i'll be back again next week so for the vinyl countdown i'm jeremy levine and as always i hope to be in your ears next week thank you everybody take care